0: Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Today on the show, I have my friends Brooke McLaughlin and Stacy Thacker, and we're going to be talking about something that goes together like peanut butter and jelly or minivans and Cheerio crumbs. I'm talking about motherhood and weariness. You know, in the media, the typical picture of the mom that's in the midst of it is a woman with no makeup and sweats and a hair and a ponytail, all disheveled and kids climbing all over her. And she just looks exhausted. And honestly, a good, a good amount of time, that's how, that's how many of us feel. We, we just get weary. We put so much pressure on ourselves. And today we're going to be talking about how we can find hope in the midst of it all. And Brooke and Stacy are going to share their stories about how they hit rock bottom, and honestly, you're going to love Brooke's story. It's kind of kind of hilarious. Or at least the the, the low point when she shares that little nugget, that's uh, I was cracking up. We're also going to talk about how weariness doesn't have to be a bad thing. And then finally, we're going to talk about uh, what you can do right now to fight weariness and find hope. And I know you're going to love what Stacy and Brooke have to share. Now, before we dive into that, though, I have to say that one of the biggest ways that I get weary is when I have to think about food for my family, because I'm not necessarily a chef. It's not a passion of mine. And so I'm really only motivated to cook when I'm actually hungry. And so when I have to prepare, you know, breakfast and lunch and snacks and dinner, and I'm not always hungry for it. And so then I have to really start thinking about what I'm going to make and what I'm going to do. And it just drains my energy and plan to eat.com has been a huge help in that area because I can just make a meal plan, drag it in, you know, reuse it week after week if I want to, and it's all just done for me. It makes my shopping list, and then I just open it up, and it's kind of like I, I try to treat it like a boss told me that this is what I'm making this week, and I don't have a choice because just knowing that I'm going to do something and not constantly second guessing myself honestly, is a huge source of energy for me. Because if I'm second-guessing myself or overthinking things, man, that just drains me like nothing else. So if you don't currently meal plan, if you don't have a system for that, I highly recommend that you check out plantoeat.com. You can just go to plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action, and you'll get a free 30-day trial, and you can check out the little video welcome that I made for you. And you can also go to inspiredtoaction.com forward slash meal planning boot camp and check out the videos that i share with you on how to use it all right then let's jump into our chat today with stacy and brooke hey stacy and brooke how are you girls doing today
1: we are great. so good. Thank you for
0: having us. I'm super excited that you guys get to be on the podcast today. Now, before we jump into all the amazing encouragement that I know that you guys have, I want people to get to know each of you because you are fantastic women that have been such an encouragement to me just in this online journey, in the motherhood journey. So I'd like people to get to know you a little bit. Um, Stacy, will you introduce yourself to the listeners? I would love to. Um I am
2: a mom of four. I have um, girls, all girls, and they are they range in age from five to fifteen, and so the middle two are in between there. My husband and I have been married for almost twenty one years, which just saying that is crazy <sighs> craziness. We make our home in Central Florida, and um, you know our lives are crazy and beautiful and messy pretty much nine to five um, every day. So. Um, you know, I write and started blogging about, goodness, it's been about five years ago. And um, the message of this book was born on a blog, which is so fun to think of that that happens these days. And um, I can talk
1: more about that later. I'll let Brooke introduce herself. Go for it, Brooke. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm Brooke McLaughlin, and um, I have lived in Virginia all my life. So it's really mm-hmm. a fun story how the Lord brought Stacy and I together. Mm-hmm. Um, with her being in Florida and me being a, a mountain girl as she likes to call me but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I let's see I have two little boys um they are ages um seven and a half and nine and a half you know when you get to a certain age you have to put the halves in there and they start right. calling you out on it so um they are my greatest joy and they are my greatest challenge and they are what inspired both this book and uh, my main online home, which is the Mob Society, which is a site for mothers of boys, just to help them feel like they are not crazy. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I've been blogging for about as long as Stacy, um, about five years, and uh, just you know had ups and downs along the way. My my life is also just beautiful and crazy all at the same time. I have been married to the guy that I've had a crush on since the third grade mm-hmm. um, for. I don't know. I think we're going on like year twelve now, and so mm-hmm. um, we're we you know just love each other and love love what God's given us, but it is certainly not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And part of my heart um, in what I portray to people online is that they would know that I mess up every single day. So um, God's in the midst of that.
0: Well, I love how Stacy, you have all girls, and Brooke, you have all boys, because. Yeah. I have two girls and a boy, and I know that there are very different challenges. None mm-hmm. easier or harder than the other. Mm-hmm. With both genders, and um, Stacey, I'd love to hear kind of your story of, of being a weary mom and how you mm-hmm. found hope. Well, you know it's
2: funny, Cat, because because you have a gir- you have girls and boy and a boy, you can kind of tell Brooke and I what's that like. Because <laughs> we don't really have that that perspective because we you know have one of you know both have different sets. But, um, you know, all of this started on a very, very crazy, weary day in my life about three years ago. It's hard for me to believe that it's been that long because it seems like maybe just a few minutes ago, really. Um, my youngest was about two at the time and she was um, not. She was not a fan of sleeping. Let's just say sleeping was not her favorite pastime. And so for the two years that she, since she had been born, I was just. I was tired. I was worn out, worn thin, and weary. I would say in every way, um, emotionally, spiritually, physically, just weary. Um, and kind of just to paint the picture, my two older girls were also. Um, they had. They were very needy at the time. They had book reports due. For their school, in which there were two components to the book report, two of things that completely stressed me out. Number one, they had to have something cooked from the kitchen. Oh. So it had to be edible, an edible book report, and they needed a costume to go with the character from their book report. I don't sew and I don't cook creatively. <laughs> And so all these expectations and, and just feeling heavily the neediness of my girls, I really felt like they needed me to be this awesome, amazing mom. At the time when I was so completely depleted of every of every other part of my life, I just was exhausted. And so I was expressly feeling it that day. On top of all that, my husband had been traveling. Um, he was actually out of the country and had been for a couple weeks. And so I was um, you know, kind of on my own, trying to meet the needs of my girls. And, you know, sometimes the stereotypes of having girls is true. They can be dramatic. They can be chatty. They can be, you know, loud and uh, in an obnoxious kind of girl kind of way. Those things were all very heightened because my husband was out of town and because I wasn't sleeping. It just was all kind of swirling around at the same time. And so when my weariness really um, met hope um, in a real significant way that particular day, I was done. I just kind of fell apart and actually literally in a pile of clean laundry. Um, It was clean. It just wasn't folded, which is (laughs) right now I'm looking at at least two and a half baskets right now in my room (laughs) that are clean and not folded. It's, it tends to chastise me most days, but I was trying to fold laundry and I just, I just had a moment with the Lord and I just poured everything out and I said, I can't do this. And I think for me at that time, um, up until that point, I had done the mommy thing pretty easily. I My kids were basically obedient. I was kind of doing the mommy thing. I was, you know, there weren't a lot of hard things in that life. But then at this point when is when everything changed. Adding that fourth child, and it's different for everyone, I think, but adding a fourth child who didn't sleep, who had some other things, um, needs, I just felt completely outnumbered <laughs> and overwhelmed. It was that feeling of, oh, I'm so lost in this foggy, foggy, crazy mess. Um, at the same time, that particular day, we had a hurricane watch happening outside. So there was this literal storm outside my window. And in my heart, there was a storm of just weariness. And so when I cried out to the Lord that day, and I said, I can't, I just can't do this anymore. I can't do this on my own strength. It was almost like the Lord finally just looked at me and said, oh, I'm so glad you said something. I've been waiting for you to admit that you can't do this on your own, that you need me. Um, And I really began to understand that I was made to need the Lord, not just to walk through life, but to specifically walk through motherhood. I needed Him to help me be who He created me to be. And He was going to use motherhood not only to grow my girls, but to make me more like Him. And so that moment, um, I had a really long talk with Him, and um, He just met me in a really personal, sweet spot precious way. And so I like to say hope was born in a laundry pile, which is super appropriate I like it. <laughs> for, for a mom. Um, and when I got up that day off the floor, um, my my laptop was sitting there and um, I just really clearly heard the, heard the Lord say, you need to write how you're feeling right now. And I remember kind of Arguing a little bit with him, saying, What? Like, why would I write? You know, I had written a lot up into that point, but um writing from a very honest place, I I don't know that I had really done a lot of that at that point in my blogging career. I was, you know, doing lots of other things, but writing honestly just wasn't, I wasn't doing it, not doing it on purpose. I just hadn't thought of it. And so I said, Really write? And it just I had this overwhelming urge to write about it. So I wrote a blog post probably the worst blog post i've ever written as far as grammar and editing it was just really rough um i wrote exactly how i was feeling that particular day and i hit publish And to my utter surprise, it struck a chord and and comments started coming in and women saying, wow, I feel the same way. And I was shocked. I was, I couldn't believe, I thought I was the only one. So often when we're in those lonely, hard places, the enemy convinces us that we are the only ones to feel this particular way ever in the history of the world, you know? Right. So I was convinced of it, but one of the comments was from Brooke. And I don't know if she remembers what she put, but I'll let her take over the story because this is how, this is how God works through social media and how we were already friends at that time. Um, but his, our stories were about to connect in a significant way.
1: Yeah. yeah it's uh, my weariness started, you know, soon, probably corresponding to to Stacy's story. I was having um, just a really hard time with my two boys. I have, uh, my two little boys are were born 23 months apart. And I just feel like I need to preface that by saying that I was completely unprepared for parenthood. <laughs> 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 I had never really failed at anything before becoming a mom. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I, I'm a very goal-oriented person. I had a, a checklist when I graduated from high school of all the things I wanted to accomplish with my life. And by the time, and children was a part of that. It was on the checklist. And by the time I had my boys, you know, most everything on that list had been checked off with flying colors. And, um, and so the Lord really used motherhood for me to teach me about the value of failing and how, um, you know, I had built kind of this kingdom on my own all that time. And he really wanted to strip that away from me and teach me what it meant to, to rely on him. And so I've often said, I wish I had easier boys. But at the same time, I'm so glad God didn't give me easier boys because, oh my word, who would I be uh-huh. if he had given me easier boys? Um, I would have thought I was the best mom in the world. And, and now I know for a fact that that's not true. <laughs> so, um, you know, my weary moment really, I like to call it my mommy moment. It was that, that moment where my complete inability um, and God's grace kind of clashed. Um happened on a night when my husband was working evenings. He works shift work. And so um, those were really hard nights for me when when my boys were really little. My, my oldest son was around two, and then my youngest was a baby, and I was still nursing my little one. And um, it was so hard for me to get through those nights without him. Um, I like to call my boys those boys. They're like the ones that are 250% boy or bouncing off the walls all the time. Are just bubbling over with energy. Don't lay down until they fall down, kind of thing. <laughs> uh, like that's that's who I have. I have two of those, and and so they just wore me flat out, and they challenged everything that I thought I knew about the way I wanted to raise my children. And so, this one particular night, my um, my baby was crying because he wanted to nurse. He was hungry. So I sit down. I'm trying to nurse him. And my two-year-old was still trying to get his mind wrapped around the fact that there was this thing attached to mommy. So he comes (laughs) over and and does not like it that I'm giving so much attention to the baby and starts trying to sit on his head, like root him out (laughs) (laughs) Uh, away from me. And so obviously the baby didn't like that. So he starts crying and he won't nurse anymore. And then my older son starts crying because I'm getting frustrated with him trying to push him away. And then our dog starts like fussing and screaming because he wants to be fed. And it was like everybody in the room was crying and I just lost it. Like I, I just completely had a meltdown and I put the baby in the, in the swing. I put the toddler in the pack and play. I tied our dog to the chair and I went outside and I sat on my front porch and I called my husband and I said, you need to bring me beer and cigarette. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like, I don't I don't smoke and I don't drink. So like this is a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> significant it was a significant thing for me and and it was really just me like just desperately needing something to change. I wanted anything to get out of the situation that I was in because it was revealing all the things I wasn't mm. capable of doing. I could mm. not for the life of me create this atmosphere that I really wanted or or the kind of children that I really wanted. I couldn't do it by myself. And so when Stacy wrote that post, I had just found out that I was pregnant with our third child, mm-hmm. and um, I was very excited. We had already we had always wanted three boys. My husband is one of three boys. My father is one of three boys. Um, I always wanted three boys. It was our dream to have you know all of our children be the same sex that way, and so I was pregnant with this third child that we really wanted. But at the same time, I was completely overwhelmed with the idea of having three children. Um, the the two that I had just sucked the life out of me. And I loved them to the moon and back, but they were killing me. And mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure that I could handle a third child. I just really wasn't sure what was going to happen to our home um, when we had this third child. So all those emotions were swirling around in me when Stacy wrote that blog post. And I reached out to her and I, I don't know. I don't know if I remember exactly what I put in that post or in my comment, but I basically just said, "I've got nothing left. I've I've got nothing. I love my kids. I don't want a new family. Mm -hmm. I just, I just want them to behave, and I want, I want (laughs) things to go the way I want them to." Um, And so we reached out and began having these conversations with each other, and it was very soon after that 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 we lost that baby, and so um, that just put me in a whole new tailspin. I felt really guilty because. I had felt, um, so unsure of that child, you know, like just, mm-hmm. I really wanted that baby, but at the same time, I, I was so scared of it at the same time. So, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's where I was when, when hope happened. I don't know what you would call it. I think I was sitting with beer and cigarettes, by the way, my husband did not bring me beer and cigarettes. <laughs> he, he's a good guy. He brought me a Coke and dark chocolate. So that's the next best <laughs> thing. But, um, you know, I I was a mess. I was literally sitting in a mess of emotions and feelings, and devastation and disappointment when when all of this happened. So, yeah.
0: so both of you both talked talk. about how you know we you get to this know. point where we allow ourselves to need him. What does that look like? So for the mom who's listening right now, and she's like, "You guys are talking my language, and I'm so there right now." But I I've been raised to kind of be self-sufficient to be self-reliant. Mm-hmm. How do I need him? What what's the thing I do? What's next? What mm-hmm. how do I do that?
1: Mm-hmm. I think for me it was telling someone. Being, you know, I had I had all the curtains closed on our home, so to speak, when when this stuff was going on. Like I would never have invited anyone over to my home. I would n- I never wanted anyone to see how I was failing. In my motherhood, or at least I thought I was failing. You know, I I was so embarrassed and and filled with shame over my inability to control my situation with the boys. And um, I would, I just kept it from everybody. People would ask me how I was, and I would say, I'm fine. I'm fine. How are you? You know, I never told anyone how bad it really was. Um, The only person that knew was my husband. And so, Um, I think for me, it was opening the curtains. That was really the first step. When I sat out there on the front step and I told my husband, I can't do this. I can't be the kind of mom I want to be um, without some help, without something. I just, I can't do it. Um, That was the first step, just admitting to him that I I couldn't do it, which I believe he probably already knew. And, uh, (laughs) and, uh, but beyond that, it was reaching out to other moms. And and just telling somebody, just pulling, you know, letting go of my pride and just stepping out and telling somebody I had to admit it first. You know, that that moment on the stoop was me admitting it to the Lord and to my husband. Um, But then beyond that, I had to be willing to step out from behind that curtain of shame and just say, this is the way it is and I need help. Mm hmm
2: yeah, I would echo that. Um, I think one of the things Brooke and I've learned through this is that there's power and story and connecting with other women. And when you are willing to share your story, um, it really um, creates this amazing community of moms who um, aren't necessarily sitting around moping together, but when you can have that honest connection, you know we we want to hear how to how to organize and how to how to how to teach our kids, and all those things are super valuable. But I think where we really connect with other women is when we share our stories. Mm -hmm. And so I love how um, Brooke was talking about community and connecting. But even with that, and I think this is where it gets super um, uh, different than if you hang out um, in like a sports league, which is fine, or you're hanging around the table um, sharing your heart and digging into God's Word with other, other Christian women. There's a difference. Is um, one of the things I've learned through this whole journey is that that hope um, hope isn't just like a wishful, hopey you know feeling of oh I hope something happens or I wish, um, it, it, hope is a person. And I've really as I've as I've walked with the Lord and and I've been a believer for years, but as I've walked with the Lord um, as the person who is hope and engaged him on a. Con- continued um, deeper spiritual walk with him um, through reading my Bible through talking with him through praying through engaging with other women over how the Lord in uh, meets us in our mess literally um, I've grown in my relationship with him and the, and the closer I walk with him the the most change I see in my life and and the weariness lifts and the hope rises up and you know Brooke and I were talking about this the other day that that weariness overwhelms, but hope can overwhelm too in a different way. Mm. And so um, as we've walked, as we've you know admitted and, and, and sh- first confessed to the Lord that we need Him, and then we've shared our story, and these communities have risen up, the thing that um, we just keep seeing is that together, as we walk with the Lord, it, it just brings our relationship with Him to life, and it becomes this beautiful community where we're pointing to Him you know we're not saying hey we've got all the answers for motherhood we're saying he's our strength he's the source of our strength you know he is the hope of all the world and he wants to be that for moms right in the middle of their mess and that's that's really what we've discovered in this journey over the past three years and i think we're still uncovering <laughs> even to this day as we walk further with him um you know we're still discovering that truth as well
0: so both of you hit this rock bottom mm-hmm. and you realize that god does meet you in your mess so is it then all, you know, kittens and unicorns after that? (laughs) Or is it, do you ever fall off the wagon? (laughs) And then if so, what's that rebounding process look like?
1: That's a great question, Kat. Um, I think that's so important because it's not kittens and unicorns. And I don't think, I don't think it ever will be. You know, here's here's a concept that I am learning to embrace in my own life. Um, You know, Jesus told us, that he said, in this world, you will have trouble. And I think we forget that. I think we get really caught up in um, the way we want things to be, or the way we feel like we deserve to be treated, or the kind of life we deserve to have, or even the kind of happiness that we deserve to have. And we forget what it actually means to to be a disciple of Christ. You know, think about the disciples themselves. You know, most of them died horrible deaths. They They um, you know they they didn't get put up in mansions or have everyone respond to them in love. I mean, it, their lives were some of them quite tragic or you know just very difficult to say the least. and so I think I think especially maybe it's because of of the time and place that we're living in in these days, but I think we forget that God never promised us that the Christian life was going to be easy. In fact, he promised us that it wouldn't be. And so I forget that really fast. And I think when I get very dissatisfied with my life, it's because I'm forgetting that what God has called me to do is something that's hard and it takes time. And it's not something that you can just snap your fingers and make it all better. And I think that's, that's the rub for us as Christians is we know that we serve a God who can snap his fingers and fix our mess, right? Like he He can heal everything. He could, if he wanted to, snap his fingers and change a hard heart or soften it or, you know, make an obedient child. If he wanted to do that, he could. And we know that about him. And so sometimes when He doesn't do that, it feels like He's not good anymore. It feels like He he doesn't want to do that for us. It it feels like He wants us to be miserable or He wants us to struggle. And that's just one of those really difficult things about the Christian life is it's true that God can do these things, but he He cares so much more about our hearts than He does our circumstances. So you asked, you know, do do things happen and do we fall off the wagon? I feel like I just did a few minutes ago. Like, I was just, (laughs) you know, I I was was, was having a a moment with my youngest son right before we got on here. So, um, you know, I fall off the wagon all the time. And I feel sometimes I feel like even though God has shown me exactly how to choose and live a hope-filled life, um, sometimes I don't want to do the work that it takes to get there. Sometimes I feel lazy and I just want to be miserable that day mm-hmm. and I just want to yell at people and I I want to be upset when things don't go don't go my way but yeah. <laughs> you know I can't stay there. You have to be able to move beyond that. And and living a hope-filled life it does not mean that nothing goes wrong. It ever mm-hmm. again, it just means that that God, you know, Jesus came and died to give us hope. And he's told us exactly how to get it. We just have to get it. We have to know how to get it. We have to know we can get it. We have to get it or know that we can get it. And then we have to just do it, mm-hmm. um, even if we don't feel like it.
0: You know, that makes me think of because I always come back to sports analogies. Of um, <laughs> so I am a Baylor University fan, and our women's basketball team is really stellar. We've won several national championships. And I'm probably going to blank on names, but our coach, her daughter, plays for her as well. And, and I'm sure, you know, all the way while she was growing up, at any point in time, when 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 she finally, her daughter, I think her name is Mackenzie, when she finally got to Baylor, her mom could have said, you know what, you're my daughter. You just be a starter. Come on, just be a starter. And she could have done that because she's the coach. But instead, you know, she required her daughter to do all the hard things, the hours and hours in the gym, the training, the difficulty. And, you know, and it's all for that 45 minutes of goodness on the blast basketball court, but there's thousands and thousands of hours that are painful and difficult and challenging. But really that's the part where we grow. You know, if we're comfortable, if you think of even the human body, when we're comfortable, we atrophy. Mm-hmm. But when we're uncomfortable, that's when we grow and that's when we get better and when we get stronger. And there's such, um, such value and such worth in, in the weariness.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and I know that's something that you guys have talked about in the book too, that, that weariness doesn't have to be a bad thing. Tell me a little bit about that, Stacy.
2: I think one of the things that I have learned, um, and, and definitely even, um, I'm, I'm quicker on the uptake these days, um, is that weariness is is a sign of where I need to run. You know, I, I always have this overwhelming urge to run away, like when things get really hard, like that day in the laundry pile or, you know, this week when I was running people to ballet practice and then running to cheerleading practice and grabbing a pizza and it wasn't perfect. You know, somebody didn't like it. There's like all these needy, overwhelming, emotional people that need something from me. Um, that I have to take that as when the weariness comes thick is that's my trigger that I need to run to the Lord. Mm. That it would be great. It's great to run to Target and grab a latte and pretend (laughs) like I don't have a care in the world. Like I can do that for like about an hour max some days, but that doesn't really solve anything. That doesn't really change anything in my heart, which is really where um, the changes need to take place. And so my trigger now is that when that comes up that I need to remember that the place that I'm going to run that's going to do the greatest amount of uh, work in my heart is running to Jesus. And that's, t- that's just what you said, the time on the court, that's time in the Word. Mm-hmm. That's making sure I'm in the Word um, at least most days, um, that some days it's you know it gets missed for various reasons. That's making sure I'm committed to praying, not just for all the people in my life, but praying for my own heart as well. Um, that's also, you know, recently I've been so convicted about scripture memory. Um, it's making a new commitment. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to memorize scripture, not just little things, like I'm passages of scripture. Like I'm going back to basics, you know, that's that, that's that, you know, that's the, the time at the practice, you know, before the big game, um, it's, it takes work and it's, it just doesn't happen on its own. But for me, again, it's just remembering that when I have that sudden urge to run away, that that's my cue to run to, and mm-hmm. I have to run to the Lord. And sometimes when I don't, and I vox Brooke and I say, Hey, Brooke, wah, 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 and she's, <laughs> she's the one that will say, Hey, Stacy, you know, the Lord's going to fight for you mm-hmm. and, and you need to run to him. And so that comes back to that community connection as well as having someone in your life who's going to say, you know what, where are you running? Go grab a latte, but take your Bible. You know, that's that's what we need. And that's really what this community
0: has become um, for us as well. That's so good. And it kind of goes, it really goes back to what you said earlier about um, how we allow ourselves to need him because mm-hmm. it feels illogical in a, in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, in a earthly sense. It feels illogical that when things aren't going right, that we step away and go spend time with Jesus. In an earthly sense, we should press in harder. We should try harder. We should learn more and just do better. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need him. And it's that process of stepping back and just trusting and saying, you know what? You are God. I am not. I don't know how to do this. And mm-hmm. and I love how you kind of tied that back into that and what what it really means just to to need him. And it's, it's mm-hmm. just step back and say, you know what? I cannot... I cannot do this, even though it seems illogical for me to not try harder. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have the hope, God, and, and I don't, and I need you in that. Um, mm-hmm. I love that. That's so good. Um, okay, so uh, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day, and she was sharing just some of her struggles with motherhood, and I felt and this is someone that I know really well, and that we have a very close church. You know, people know each other and stuff, and I just said, you know what? I've told, I've been there. I, I have. You know, just a few weeks ago, I was closed myself in my bathroom with the lights off, face on the carpet, you know, and I was like, Jesus, why am I the worst mother on the planet? Why can I not get this right? Why am I completely messing up my children and increasing their (laughs) therapy bills for the future? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And, you know, she looked at me and she's like, oh, that makes me feel better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's just so um, amazing how we don't really share that much that, mm. you know, how honest we are that man, everybody, whether you, whether you have a, a book about motherhood or whether you have a podcast about motherhood, every mom is in the exact same spot. And if she's not, well, then she needs to write a book or a podcast <laughs> because we have <laughs> we all been on the carpet being like, Jesus, I cannot do that. And that is such really a freeing, beautiful place mm. to be. Mm. Um, so why do you think moms are so weary these days?
1: Mm. Oh, that's a really good question too. I, I think there's an epidemic of weariness. Um, part of it, in my opinion, is because moms are, well, first of all, we're doing, we, we have higher expectations of ourselves as moms than any moms ever before us have. Um, we are, you know, we are working moms. We are, you know, we either work outside of the home or we work inside of the home. We We have, our kids are involved in more sports. We're, you know, we're expected to go to all the Bible studies and all this and all that. Like we have so many plates spinning now that I think probably if we're if we're honest, our moms may not have had that that many plates spinning, or at least our grandmothers didn't. And so um we have much higher expectations. And I think when when the crash happens, when the plates start to fall, because there's so many more of them in the air. The, the crash is just, astre- you know, it's huge. It's so much bigger. Um, and it feels, so it makes us feel like a failure. But I also think that from that, um, because we're so busy, because there's so many different things in the world vying for our attention these days, we aren't spending as much time in the Word. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not getting fed. We're We're pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and we're not putting anything back in. And, mm-hmm. you know, I heard someone say over Christmas, I went to a lady's um, Christmas brunch over Christmas. And the speaker said something that I just really disagreed with. Like I really just, you know, I'm not a heckler, but I, I considered it. I, <laughs> I loved it too. She said, um, she said something like, you know, don't, she was describing just the the day-to-day stuff in her own life. You know, we all have junk. But she said, don't tell me. I need to read the Bible in order to um, get out of the mess I'm in. Mm -hmm. And and she said, don't give me one more thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, goodness, you know, like I get that on one level. I get that I, you know, I don't want to have I have so much to do that. I I don't want you to give me one more thing to do. But but I have to do that. I have Mm -hmm. to do that one. You know, we we have to have the word of God filling us back up or we're just going to keep emptying ourselves until there's nothing left. And so in my personal opinion, that's a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. You know,
0: it makes me think of, okay, correct me if you're a biblical scholar. (laughs) On this, so my, but a friend of mine was has been reading. Uh, I think there's a Bible study by Priscilla Shire. Is that how you say her name? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. called Breathe, and it's mm-hmm. about Sabbath. And she talked about how this is all third party, everybody. So mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is this is the televo- telephone version. So if it's <laughs> theologically incorrect or biblically incorrect, it's me, not Priscilla. Um, <laughs> how the Israelites, um, when they were when when God was providing the food for them. They didn't gather a double portion on Saturday night, but mm-hmm. God provided it for them for the Sabbath. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so they, they didn't do the extra work. They, they did take the Sabbath like God called them to. Um, but it's just the idea of stepping back and, you know, being with God and doing what he calls us to do and reading the word, but stepping back and just trusting that he's going to provide that mm-hmm. double portion that when mm-hmm. we do, like you said, read the word and just, you know, we need that. And he's going to provide more than we could have provided mm-hmm. on her on our own. You know, that speaker goes off and she does her stuff instead of read the word. And she is able to give out half as much as if she mm-hmm. just steps mm-hmm. back and, and and dove into that. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, OK, great. so I, I know you guys, I don't want to take up all your afternoon, but I, I know that everybody listening is so encouraged and I, I want them to have one nugget to really walk away with. So if there was one thing a mom could do right now, maybe she's in that pile of laundry, mm-hmm. um, to fight weariness and find hope, what would that be? Mm.
2: Yeah, you know, my first thought is, um, what Brooke said, is is just admitting where she is, but also um, just just inviting Christ into that place in her life and acknowledging her need of Him. And I believe that when He meets her there, because He will, um, he's going to draw her to himself and to his, to his word. Um, the word is what gives us life. And so I I think that one thing would be, and maybe that's three and I'm sorry, (laughs) is that is just admitting where she is and, and inviting him into that place. And that's called mothering. And then, um, and then just seeking him through his word. Um, that's been the only thing, um, my pastor says, the one place you can be sure to meet Jesus is in His Word. It's mm-hmm. the only place that you, the only place that you read a book and the author shows up, oh, like <laughs> is that. when you read the Bible. And even, even though Brooke and I really want you to to read over the weary Mom, we more <laughs> than more than we want you to read that is we want you to be in the Word of God. And we can't show up when you read our book, but I promise you, when you open God's Word, He's He's the author and He's going to show up, and he, he you're gonna you're gonna have a deeper, more um, hope-filled relationship with him because of it.
0: I love it. I love it. So even though you're not going to show up if they get the book, where can they find the book? <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Be that would be, be fun. fun. That would be a little creepy,
2: actually. <laughs> hi. It's kind of like a commercial, like, a, hi, we're here. Oh, golly, Brooke, I think it's um, I think it's available almost everywhere now. Um, okay, say, say the
0: thing. Say the thing that authors love to say.
2: Uh, I don't know. What is it? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't know. What do I, this is my first time, so I don't know. <laughs> I always think it's fun when somebody says, available everywhere books are sold. That's
2: what I was oh. thinking.
0: Oh, see, you've done this before.
2: <laughs> available where books are sold. Okay. I mean, it's on it's online at any of your favorite online places. Um, so you can just yeah. check those out. Um, it should also be in your local Christian bookstore. Um, I know that some of the, big, the bigger places like Barnes & Noble and um, I think Books A Million has stores as well. Um, I think it's going to be there. So you can look yeah. for it in your local bookstore. You can look for it online um, at all your favorite online outlets. Um, am I forgetting any place?
1: Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say, if you buy it this week during our launch yes. week, we have um, an amazing deal for you. We we just wanted to be able, you know, we can't show up if you buy the book, <laughs> right? Because. Because that would just be weird and because we're moms and we have to be moms, right? So, um, but what we did was we made a series of three free videos for anyone who purchases the copy of the book anywhere they want to. Um, We made some videos to just come alongside you and allow you into our hearts and into our homes. And we're just going to just you know, throw down this information and really dive into it and struggle through it. Like, how do I live a hope-filled life? How do I take the information from this book and really put it into practice? So anyone who buys the book this week can go to hopeforthewearymom.com slash I dash choose dash hope. And then they can sign up to get their, um, their three videos. That will be a great compliment to what they're reading in the book.
0: Fantastic. I love it. I love it. Well, Stacey and Brooke, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's so much fun. Thanks for having us. All right. Well, you guys have a great day. You too. Thanks, Kat. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast.
2: It's gonna be a good day, a good day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet.